Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And welcome to Invested, the Rule One podcast about investing. About being invested in your financial future. Yeah, being invested in your, and with the ED, it's capitalized ED, so it's like education. Because we're, we're so smart. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Geniuses. But it's not just the financial future, it's also being invested like in your life, like, which I know sounds silly and overly new agey, but that's how I feel about it. It's like, it's like taking control, taking responsibility, taking, uh, gaining awareness about what's happening in your life and, and the choices that we make every day that affect our futures. And that's something I'm thinking a lot about. And uh, I imagine people who are listening to this are also thinking about it or else you probably wouldn't be listening. I know. It's like I, I, you hate to become that guy who is like, you know, motivating you to go and do bigger things in your life. Yes. And you start <laughs> yes, to, I, I would hate for you to become that guy. It's not going to happen. Not I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so hard to think in terms of like, you know, we're just going to teach you guys how to do this kind of investing the way Warren Buffett does it as best we can understand it from – from uh, working with people who've worked with him, from reading every single thing he ever wrote uh, and every single thing everybody anybody else has ever written about him, and from doing this kind of investing for the last 35 years, you know, you start to get to to feel like, wow, this is actually an effective way to invest. This is actually something that people can do. And this sounds, of course, sort of strange to say that, but of course people can invest. Except that the entire financial services industry is out there promoting two things that are kind of insane. The first one is <clears throat> that this thing, this idea called modern portfolio theory, which says no one can beat the market. And then the second thing, which is completely contradictory to the first thing that says, and since no one can beat the market, give us your money and we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we charge you whether or not we actually do it. I know. So you know what's recently happening, Danielle, that's so cool, is that companies like Betterment and other companies like that um, are coming along, and they don't yeah. say that they're this thing, but what they are are basically computer-driven advisory services. They they replace a human advisor Completely. And and you wonder, well, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because the very theory of investing that's being promoted by all the human advisors, which is called modern portfolio theory, and which says some really basic things like, you know, price and value are the same thing in a, in a broadly traded market where all the information is transparent, everybody can see everything, and that you don't get a higher risk, higher reward without a higher risk, um, stuff like that basically forms up modern the idea portfolio theory. is that all the information in the market is accounted for in the price of a stock at any given moment. Exactly, at any given moment. So if the stock price goes down, that's because the company has gotten worse. It's got worse news. Exactly. And and if it goes up, it's because it's got better news. And, and uh, you know, all this sounds eminently reasonable if you're sitting in an ivy... I, 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 is it an ivory tower? I, I think it's an ivory tower. An you're ivory sitting tower. in an ivory tower... Uh, far from the turmoil of the real world, and you're concocting a view of the marketplace that you know you, you you're going to be able to defend academically, and that's what happened in 1960s at University of Chicago, where they developed this, and it spread across the entire Ivy League, and then from the Ivy League everywhere else. 
And this is called Modern Portfolio Theory, and it is how your portfolio is managed by the advisor that you're paying your 1% or 2% to. Now, what happened with Betterment and these other companies, called ro are, they're called robo-advisors because they automated the process of just taking the math of the computer math of modern portfolio theory, and all they do is just plug in your fear factor. And, you know, that's just a test you take online of 10 questions. It says, you know, I, I'm willing to take a lot more risk and hope to hope for a higher rate of return. And um, and then you can put in, I don't want to take any extra risk. I'll take a lower rate of return. And you fill up that form. And what that form does is tell the computer how to build you a portfolio according to the math of modern portfolio theory that is risk adjusted to the level of risk you're willing to take. So all of that's quite wonderful. Um, that yeah, the I looked at one yesterday uh, called Swiss Quotes because it has European stuff as well as American stuff. And literally like the first it's I just downloaded the app and the first screen is what's your it had to only two like options. What the first one was, what's your range of time? And it all it said was short, medium or long. And I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second option was what kind of risk do you want? Low, medium or high? And I was like, I don't know. Um short and high like i don't know so <laughs> so i just picked i think i picked medium for both because i didn't know what either one of them actually meant and then um and then it was actually kind of interesting after that they it was funny they gave an option to follow warren buffett's portfolio and it was called something like follow warren and that's it and they just show you what he is buying um which of course is public knowledge after uh, his SEC disclosures come out every quarter. So it's delayed information, but we do have the information once they come out. And um, and so this this robo-advisor literally just tracks that, and you can just track Warren Buffett. Oh, my I mean, gosh. That's that's it's, so... It's, a, it's cool, you know? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that jump into my head about this. Number one is the beauty of these robo-advisors is that, that, you know, you they're, they're basically screwing the, the live advisors... Well, yeah. With their own theory. The live advisors have been telling everybody for 30 years, you can't beat the market, diversify, long-term hold. We're going to spread you all over kingdom come with all of these mutual funds. Well, gradually the mutual fund fees became a problem and you, people started using exchange-traded funds, which are a lot cheaper, and just track the individual market because it turned out that almost no mutual fund managers were actually beating the market over a long period of, of time. In other words, if you diversify you're not going to beat the market. It's just that simple because you are the market at that point. So it became clearer and clearer to these younger uh, guys that who, who built these websites that you really don't need that advisor in there if modern portfolio theory is true. All you got to do is have the person answer the question, how much time do you have and how much risk do you want to take? And then they can build a portfolio using exactly the same math that your live advisor is going to use to build a balanced risk-adjusted portfolio. They just do it with a computer. It can do it already. In fact, your live advisor is using the same computer program. You don't need to pay that guy 2%. It's yeah, ridiculous. And they, and they just charge a fee. Yeah, they charge um, like a so quarter percent or something like pay that. Pay them no matter what, yep. which weirdly kind of makes more sense to me for a, a robo-advisor that you would just pay a fee for it. Yeah. Whereas with a human, I kind of feel like they should do something. 
for their work. Yeah, you'd think that they would they would just all right, look, let, let's just split profits. OK, you make me money, you get paid. You don't make me money, you don't get paid. But of course, the uh, big, big reg banks got together with the big, big regulators and their little crony capitalism thing, and they made it illegal for a small investor to pay a split of profits with an advisor. They made it illegal so that you can't do it. So that let them not offer you that option. Isn't that crazy? Talking about regulation doesn't affect your life, right? Yeah, I mean, there are reasons that that happened. But yes, I agree with you that, uh, I mean, the reason that that happened is trying to protect investors from being swindled by unscrupulous money managers who provide nothing and just say that they'll, oh, we'll split all the profits with you. Um, but 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 wait, but wait, there's more. If they're splitting the profits with you, they don't make any money unless they make you a profit. So the real problem wasn't so much that you're going to get swindled as that the SEC was worried that the financial advisor who would only make money if he made you a profit would roll the dice and take risk. Um, exactly. In so order to try to do that. You're like massively times more riskier. Yeah, because he has no downside. He's not going to exactly. give money back. So he so starts to realize the idea behind it, yeah. promoting the fee structure is that that's somebody who is going to be protective of your precious retirement nest egg. Exactly. Which just happened to work out really well for all the boneheads that wouldn't have a clue about what stock to buy. Uh, which can is just, all of us, Dad, by is, the way. Well, which is what? all of your advisors, by the way. Did you know that Morgan Stanley doesn't even teach its financial advisors how to figure out the value of a stock? Maybe they already know how to fill it, figure out the value. Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> what they learn all day long is how to sell. And then they go out in the field and learn some more about how to sell. And at the end of the day, all Morgan Stanley wants them to do is sell the stock advice that their central um, analysis teams are going to tell the advisor to sell. Your financial advisor has no clue about what's a good uh, deal on a company and what isn't. And why should he? If modern portfolio theory is true, the price is the value. So why bother to learn how to value a business? All you got to do is look it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So robo-advisors have come in here and said, wow, if that's how you're going to play the game, we don't need you. You can go sit down now and not play. So you know all those golf games you're playing with all your clients? Guess what? Your clients are just going to go over and get a robo-advisor and cut you out of the deal because golf isn't worth the money they're paying you every year. So it's going to be a real revolution in, in financial advice. And the yeah, world is going to... I think it's gonna... really exciting, and it's just the beginning of it. Oh, yeah. It's exciting and thrilling, and it lets the little guy have an advisor. I mean, believe me, these big guys like uh, big financial advisors, they don't. their offices don't even want to handle your phone call if all you have is $100,000. They, they want you to have at least half a million to get in the game. Um, and they figure that really they're sort of breaking even based on their, all their hard work if you have half a million and they're charging you uh, 1% for, for uh, managing that money. Um, whereas the robo-advisor is going to charge you a quarter percent, right? So one guy's charging you $5,000 and doing a set of math on modern portfolio management theory. And the robo-advisor is going to charge you $1,250 and do the same exact math. Which one do you want to choose? <laughs> oh, yeah. And by the way, if you've got less than 100000 the other guy doesn't want you anyway. So yeah. your robo-advisor is your only choice. So it's, it's like it's a real revolution and it's happening and it's very exciting um, because it's going to break the world into two 
kinds of, uh, of advisors, either robo-advisors with just a computer and maybe somebody to answer a customer service phone call about how do I move my money from here to there. Um, and the kind of advice that, uh, you know, these kind, our kind of investors do, rule one advisors, um, who are very few and far between, who are actively managing portfolios with a very small number of stocks, highly focused, and who do believe we can tell the difference between price and value when it gets uh, when it gets torn apart. So that's kind of what we're trying to teach you guys. If, if you don't want to learn this stuff, go to a robo-advisor, get your portfolio structured um, through one of those companies. You can do it for very little money. They'll, you know, you can even if you got just a few thousand dollars, they're happy to have your business. And if you've got a million dollars, they'd be really happy to have your business. And they will structure you a portfolio made up of exchange traded funds that will do every bit as good as your portfolio being managed by some guy you're paying two percent to, most likely. Okay, and um, and if you and but here's the catch. What that means is you're going to be doing really good over the long term if you make like eight or nine percent a year, especially over the next 10 years. That would be really good, wouldn't it? That'd be really, really good from a historical point of view. But you're not going to do you can't expect to do a lot better than that. Historically, the stock market only goes up at about four point six percent per year historically over the last hundred years or 120 years. And on top of that, you get dividends for a couple percentage points. So in effect, you're looking pretty good if you're doing, you know, six or seven percent. So um, if you've got some if you've got a, a robo advisor managing money and spreading it out across bonds and and, you know, kind of 60, 40 relationship between stocks and bonds or something, you know, you might do six, seven, eight percent, maybe even nine percent if they're really super good over 30 or 40 years. Um, that sounds pretty nice for no time commitment, I got to tell you. It is pretty nice for no time commitment. The only problem is for most people, it it really makes your life, folk, it really reduces you to sort of a kind of benign uh, servitude. You, <laughs> you, you've put yourself in service of your future retirement. Um, because to make that work, you're going to need to constantly be putting money into your retirement accounts at a very steady pace. And in order to do that, you're going to be needing to be working a steady job, something that is going to consistently give you raises to increase your cost of living, because the older you get, the more expenses you're going to have as your kids get older. They're going to need to go to college. You're going to want to do that. Um, you're going to need to do a little more, uh, more. You know, you're going to want a bigger house. You get more children. You're going to want a better neighborhood. All of those things happen to you as you get older and older. And and you, it just costs money to live. So you you are forced, if you're going to go down this road, you're forced to be in that job and be consistent. And Danielle, you're not going to be able to break a loose. You're not going to be able to walk away from the law and just go do what you want to do. You can't do it because you will blow a hole in the retirement portfolio in these early years. And that's going to result in you not having enough money when you retire. Yeah, I think the part about uh, not being involved, again, like we started out this podcast saying this is about being invested in your financial future, being invested in your life. And I think uh, there's a feeling of having a computer investing for you in random. Un well, that's not you, you choose some sort of parameters, but they're not companies that you've chosen. They're not companies that you know anything about. They're not companies that you necessarily feel good about. And I think. I think for me, it's something I've been really pondering because, you know, learning rule one investing takes a lot, of, it takes a good amount of time. I'm going to say it takes a lot of time. I'm going to go ahead and say that. It For me, it does not come easily to me. It takes time. So is that time 
worth it because I have limited time. I'm busy. I could be doing other stuff, right? And we all have so many other important things to be spending our time on. That's just true. So is it worth it to take time from something else in order to focus on investing on your own? I think that's kind of the central question of this podcast. Yeah, it and, really is. That's one investing. Yep. That and, really is it. Yeah. Because I'll tell and, you, the, the, the investing strategy itself is, is simple. We started off a year ago with Charlie Munger just going through these four points, right? You're just capable of understanding. Does it have a moat? How's the management team? And is it on sale? And and it requires a great deal of patience to wait patiently until something you know about comes comes to you on sale. But simple and easy are different things, right? It does take time to build up a, a, a solid, what Buffett calls a solid circle of competence. Um, you know, because you remember what Mark Twain said, right? It's like, it, 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 it ain't what you don't know that kills you. It's what you think that's, what you think is true that ain't so that kills you. So it's building up this circle of competence where you don't have any wrong beliefs, right? You you do know how this industry or business works. And that's reading. It, this business requires a lot of reading. Charlie Munger, who's my just favorite guy out there at 92 years old, still investing like crazy, is just say, is said that, you know, if you don't read a lot, this just isn't going to work for you. You got to you got to be able to read and be consistent about it. So that's where the work is. It's it's building up a body of knowledge about you know, this thing that you're going to own. And I think that that's the case no matter what kind of things you do on your own in the world. Like if you're going to go out and buy a, a, a houses that you're going to rent, you're going to need to understand something about that process. And you're, if you're going to buy a Domino's pizza uh, franchise, you're going to you're going to have to understand how it works. You're going to have to understand it on a deep level. You're going to put time into that process. You know, right. it's the choice between actively managing your money and passively giving it to somebody else or or a computer. Yep. And I actually think giving it to somebody else or a computer is not a bad choice. Like that's fine. And a lot of people do it because of a lot of different reasons. And I, I love that these robo advisors are showing up to provide cheap, easy options that are accessible to everybody. I mean, I think the beautiful thing about, uh, the rise of these apps and these websites is that it's making investing something people are finding normal. It's becoming part of our conversation. Whereas invest investing in quotes before seemed like something rich people did. Oh, well said. And now yeah. it's something that's just in a, in a almost egalitarian way, yeah. just available to anybody who has a phone and can download an app. Yeah. Well, um, well said. And I think that's really beautiful. And I, I, I think would... it's something that's going to promote actually the active part of kind of investing that rule one investing is because when you start doing that robo thing and you, I mean, I did it the other day, I went through the options and I kind of felt like, wow, I'm really going to give my money to a computer. It was just kind of a weird thought. And and maybe that's the right choice because the computer's going to do it exactly the way it says it's going to, and you can choose exactly what strategy it's going to use, and then you're done. You press the button, and you're done, and you just pay the fee, and that's it. Well, but, I, you, you haven't escaped servitude, though. I, I think it's a little bit akin to, you know, you're, you're a feudal serf uh, working away for the man, and, um, you know, the man becomes a little more enlightened and comes down from the castle and says, hey, put your money into this black box which is this wonderful black box. And um, 
you know, it will gradually over time provide you with an opportunity to retire from your feudal uh, serfdom. Um, and I think you're right. It might encourage you to start thinking, geez, maybe I need to get literate here a little bit. You right. Know? Exactly. That's what I'm that's what I'm going for. So for me, I think and for a lot of people, let's acknowledge that is a good option to have. There are a lot of people who don't even have five minutes to put into learning how to invest. Totally agree. Totally agree. So I'm glad that those things exist. Right. Me too. For the people who are listening to this, for somebody like me, for me, it's really important to feel like I am having to feel like I have a hand in what I'm doing and where my money's going and 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 finding this to be an interesting way to learn about the world. For me, I've decided, oh, dad, newsflash, I've decided to spend a little time on this role in investing thing. I'm pretty into it now. You, you've kind of convinced me. I hate to tell you that. I hate to tell you that. Well, I'm going to give you another motivation right now. You ready? All right. Please. Because we're talking about robo-advisors. I want to explain a little bit about how they work, okay? So you put your $100,000 into this robo-advisor, and you answer these questions about time and risk. And the first assumption is that if you say, I'm willing to stay a long time and I'm willing to take a lot more risk, that somehow magically you're going to avoid the gravity of only doing whatever the market does. Um, but you won't. You're taking more risk for no reason whatsoever, according to modern portfolio theory, which says that all prices and values are the same. So that means if you set up a risk-adjusted portfolio, all it means is you're going to have a lot more up and down movement, a lot more volatility in well, your this portfolio. Is what we were talking about last time, right? The risk equaling volatility and whether or not that's true. And it, so that's, exactly. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I was wondering what on earth that little button that said high risk meant. Like, what does that actually get me? Are they going to go invest in some kind of like crazy company that just got started and has three employees and just IPO'd. And yeah, that seems pretty risky. It's crazy. It's the moron button. You hit the moron button. All The only thing that happens in modern portfolio theory, when you invest in, let's say, Russell 2000 stocks, which are small caps and move around a lot more than the big fat guys, is that you end up with a market rate of return. That's the only thing that happens is because you, you can't get out of the relationship between risk and reward. And that means your reward is going to be adjusted uh, level to the risk. So in other words, if you're if you're rolling the dice and you're constantly betting on on, uh, let's say, the number 10, which is a low odds number to get to. Right. There's only a couple of ways you can get to 10 um, compared to, let's say, rolling the dice and betting that you're going to get a seven or an eight, which are much easier to get. You're betting on this higher risk 10 to get the higher reward that comes with the higher risk 10. Well, it turns out that the laws of probability are going to say that you're only going to hit the 10 number so many times. And the result is going to be almost exactly the same as if you bet long term on the 7 or the 8. Because you're going to hit the 10 for a higher rate of return, but so many fewer times. So modern portfolio theory says you can't escape gravity. You can't leave behind the pull of the market rate of return. It's going to pull you down even if you take higher risk. Wait a second. You think modern portfolio theory is not true, correct? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's not true. So then why are you using it to say that a high, in quotes, high risk portfolio 
won't work. Well, it's a first step in educating everybody about how this whole game is played. So first off, robo-advisors work theoretically because modern portfolio theory works, which we know is not true, but let's play along for a second and assume that it is. And, and since modern portfolio theory is true, what it says very specifically is that you cannot get a higher return just by taking more risk. If you could, then everybody would take more risk. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Well, I guess they wouldn't actually take more risk. Sure, because more risk You're wouldn't... taking the risk, right, that you're not going to get the higher returns. It, it's must be a risk. It's crazy how they've interpreted this. It's Here's the thing. If you take more risk and are willing to wait a longer time, which you, you have to be able to do, if you're going to, quote, take more risk, what they're essentially saying, is, what they're implying is if you're willing to leave your money in for a longer time and you hit the higher risk button, you can get a higher rate of return. According to modern portfolio theory, that's not true. You Just waiting longer isn't going to somehow magically cause you to beat the market. It won't. Because eventually these higher risk, in other words, the, the, the rolls on the dice of a 10 are low probabilities. Eventually, you're going to get burned. You're going to lose a bunch of money. And that's going to level you out to the market. So there must be something else going on. And indeed, there is. Okay. So let's. Ella. Yes. So here's what else is going on. Well, what else is going on is that, in matter of fact, according to the very data used to 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 win the Nobel Prize for modern portfolio theory, the data very specifically points out that if you invest in higher volatility companies, you do beat the market. Crazy! Okay. You beat the market. It's right in their own data. And Nicholas Taleb points this out beautifully in his three books, you know, The Black Swan, Anti-Fragile and Fooled by Randomness. He points out that the Nobel, the Nobel Committee didn't even read the data because if they'd carefully read the data, they would have recognized the flaw that existed in the theory that they gave the Nobel Prize to kills the theory. And that is that if you invest in higher volatility stocks, you actually win a bigger rate of return. So this has crept into the robo-advisors. And it's actually crept into the advisory yeah, world all over the place. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And so now people uh, are comfortable at the SEC of letting advisors say that, you know, if you're willing to wait longer, um, you may get a higher rate of return. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, now, let me just point something out here. Um, if modern portfolio theory is correct, which is how everything is managed in terms of balanced portfolios and all the stuff all the advisors are doing, then it doesn't matter whether you're going to go for a high risk or low risk or whatever. You're going to get a leveled rate of return. The only difference in rate of return is going to matter to your portfolio is not whether you invest in high or low risk stocks. It's whether you invest part of your portfolio in something else like bonds, say. Okay, so if you spread your portfolio between stocks and bonds, then you're going to change the risk profile fairly dramatically. You are going to lower your risk. However, you're also going to lower your return. So what people do as they enter retirement is they're, they're, they're basically going to lower their return and lower the risk profile away from a market level of risk to a more bond level of risk, which is a much more certain rate of return. So bonds are less risky? Bonds are less risky overall. Overall, right. Okay. So we, we can go to the no risk investment, which is a US Treasury bond. 
and then kind of work up the risk scale from there. And the thing that makes bonds really simple to understand is that risk and reward are indeed related with bonds, unlike in the stock market, in our opinion. So with a bond, you've got zero risk with a U.S. Treasury bond. Um, you've got some risk with a Coca-Cola bond. And then you've got a ton of risk with a junk bond from some third world little company that may or may not even survive next year. Um, so the third world little company is going to have to provide you with a walloping huge rate of return. So if you're a, let's say you want a Greek bond. All right. Well, you're going to get paid 18 percent or you want to you want an Argentine bond or let's say right now you want a Puerto Rican bond, which are selling for a very huge volume uh, a price increase. Because why? Because the a huge rate of return increase because Puerto Rico is defaulting on its bonds. All right. So if you want to get a high return, you're going to take a lot of risk that you might not get paid um, compared to a U.S. Treasury bond. Now, what what they did is they took that view of bonds and they applied it to the stock market, which is not bonds. The stock market is businesses. And, and unfortunately, the world started or the world of academia started to think and, and the financial services world, which got a benefit from this, started to think in terms of the stock market being pieces of paper, just like bonds are pieces of paper. And therefore, if they're both pieces of paper, then probably you're going to need to take more risk to get a higher return. All right. And let's figure out what risk looks like. Ah, it looks like volatility since they couldn't define any other way of figuring out the risk of a company failing than just how much its stock price is moving around. And so the ludicrous result of this theory is that if you've got a company that's going up like a rocket ship, it's far riskier than, let's say, some S&P 500 company that's going nowhere. Even if it turns out to be Google or Apple, it's it's just far riskier. Why? Because it's moving fast. That's why. So this is a sort of a thing that Warren Buffett looks at and says, this is just stupid. There's no direct relationship between uh, volatility and risk other than the academians say that there is. And so question, question, if a company is going up like crazy, like, let's say, Google or Apple, and a, another company is going down like crazy, like uh, Enron. Would those two companies have the same level of risk? Yes. Ah, so it doesn't matter which direction. It's just a matter of movement. Yep, exactly. The movement around the mean. So the mean is the, the, the basic center of things is supposed to be the S&P 500, let's say. So it doesn't matter if the stock price is going down like a brick are going up like a rocket because it'll be ultimately coming back into the range of the middle. And so the, the assumption is always that, you know, price and value are exactly the same thing. So you, you can't pick a winner. It's always all of the future risk is built into every single price. That's why if you do riskier portfolio, you're not going to get a better rate of return because it's all built into the price. And so at the end of the day, this there's just essentially robo investing is nonsense, according to modern portfolio theory, if it lets you believe that you can take a higher risk to get a higher return. That simply isn't true, according to modern portfolio theory. Well, then clearly people are getting away from modern portfolio theory. Well, I think it's not so. just robo advisors. It's human advisors who say that kind of thing, too. Exactly true. Now, we got to come on to one more little piece of this thing, and that is that what are what's your why not just do a robo advisor? OK, well, here's the scary part of robo advisors. They're all using predominantly the same exchange traded funds to diversify your portfolio and set up this risk adjusted portfolio. So let's say that um, virtually all, all the money that's going to go into these things, let's say, I don't know, just for fun, let's say 20 trillion dollars 
goes into robo-advisors over time, and they are all buying the same 20 exchange-traded funds, right? Because those are the broad markets, international markets, bond funds. You know, you, you could, you, you're not going to escape this, you know, this relatively small universe. An exchange-traded fund is a fund that tracks an index. Exactly, correct? exactly. And so since your robo-advisor wants to put you in the broad indexes, it's going to get one for the Dow. It's going to get one for the S&P 500. It'll get one for the NASDAQ. It'll get one for the Russell. It'll get one for international stocks. It'll get one for third-world stocks. You're saying that robo-advisors only buy these fund, these exchange-traded funds? Oh, yeah. They're not picking individual why would stocks. I need to, why would I need to pay a robo-advisor when I can just go buy an ETF. You myself. would not need to pay a robo-advisor. But I think you... that they do pick individual stocks. No, no. Why else would they exist? They exist because they're, they're going to pick a, a, a balanced portfolio that is risk adjusted to what you've determined to be your time values I and your risk values. Because there was that option that I just mentioned where you could track Warren Buffett's portfolio. Which, by the way, is total crap. <laughs> Okay. Oh, what? And the reason it's total crap is because Warren Buffett's portfolio doesn't exist. The only portfolio that exists is Berkshire Hathaway, which Warren Buffett owns and runs, but he only invests some of Berkshire Hathaway's money. He's hired two guys, a Todd and a Tad, to, <laughs> to invest larger and larger pieces of Berkshire's portfolio. And those guys have a different kind of strategy than what Buffett has. And when you see Berkshire, when you see, quote, Buffett buying stocks, the only way you would know for sure that it's Buffett buying the stocks is if the stock position became one of, let's say, the top five largest positions at Berkshire. You'll see a distinct drop off between the big positions and the little ones. The mm -hmm. Todd and Tad are doing the little ones. Buffett's doing the big ones, and he doesn't do a big one very often. So if you want to follow Todd and Tad, go ahead. Well, maybe I do. They sound smart. Well, I'm sure they are smart, but they don't have a track record. So you got the same problem as picking any other two guys yes. who are out there. Yeah. You know? In other words, you're not, getting, you're not getting Buffett unless you limit your purchases to just what Buffett's buying. And unfortunately, the robo-advisor can't tell. The question is, though, if a robo-advisor can track Todd and Ted, Tad and Todd, I don't know, um, can, then it's not a fund, right? Those are individual companies that they're buying. Yes. It's not, a, it's not an exchange-traded fund. That's true. The, they, would, they would essentially be saying, well, we don't know how to do it because we're a computer, but what we're going to do is we're going to track the 13F filings of these really smart investors yeah. and buy those stocks for you as soon as they buy them. But of course, as soon as they, <clears throat> as soon as they buy them means... Somewhere between 90 and 110 days later. Yeah, and that's what I said. I said it was delayed. Also, I could just do that myself also. Yes, you can. In other words, you abs if you have a little bit of knowledge, you absolutely do not have to be paying the robo-advisor $1,250 a year. Stupid. You don't need to do them. All you have to do is get an online account, open it up, buy the exchange-traded funds that the robo-advisor is buying, and you got it. And how would you know which ones they're buying? Oh, well, they tell you. Just go set up an account and they'll show you what kind of things that they're buying. And you'll discover that they're pretty much the same 20 things as everybody else. Now, here's where we get to the real craziness. You ready? What <laughs> I was would, born ready for the craziness. What would happen if um, suddenly the businesses underlying all of those stocks and all of those ETFs 
started having a real serious uh, recession, all right? And people got nervous about their money in the robo-advisor because it was starting to be lost, right? Yeah. Okay, which we'll is what's what happened. happening. I mean, right they're just now. tracking the market, so it's just a matter of the market going down. Right. So let's say you got into the robo advisor, let's say last uh, last year about this time, and in August the money started going down and down, and then it's come back up a little bit. And now it's starting to go down again. People might get a little nervous about that, and they start to pull their money out. Now, the faster they pull their money out, right? These all being the same twenty across all, everybody's accounts. Same twenty exchange traded funds. Yeah. And they control an enormous amount of money that's in the stock market. Let's say a huge percentage is what's invested in these companies. Then these the exodus from these funds can create an, a stampede because there's going to be a feedback loop immediately back into the price of the fund. So as some people start to withdraw, it makes other people nervous who start to withdraw. And since they're all withdrawing from the same 20 things, they could collapse. In other words, there could be no buyers. I see. You see what I'm saying? Because Right, because if you're purchasing individual companies, individual stocks on the stock market, let's say the chances of you owning the same set of companies as, what did you say, 20 million investors or yeah, something? Yeah, $20 trillion out there, yeah. So and what are the chances? The, the chances of selling all at the same time are, it's not going to happen. Remote. So... But if you're all purchased, this, if you're all invested in the same index fund and that fund, if you sell the fund, you've therefore sold the companies in that fund, right? Exactly. I mean, they have to they have to sell those off to get you your money back. So essentially, those companies would either crash or, you know. Well, the most more importantly, they would become risky. Let's put it that way. More importantly, your ETF is going to see an accelerated rate of loss, which will scare people even more. And as people sort of reach mass hysteria, there's going to be a panic out of these funds. And um, I'm not alone in looking at this. Some very, very smart guys have, have thought this is exactly what's going to happen to the bond funds that are currently invested in uh, a lot of pretty illiquid bonds. And when those start to go down, then there's going to be a giant exodus from those ETFs. And when that giant exodus starts, these bond funds have to go sell those bonds and there's no market for them which will cause chaos and a complete collapse of those bond funds out of really nowhere. Interesting. So that's a theory that's coming up now. Because yep. exchange traded funds have been around a few years, but I think they've gotten really popular lately, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very, and the popularity is increasing. It's another, another nirvana based on modern portfolio theory that you can just invest in this broad index and all will be well. Well, all may not be well if there are no buyers out there for your fund. So you could see these things collapse in a way that individual stocks would have a lot more difficult time doing um, because you've got people like Warren Buffett in there to jump into Coca-Cola um, to buy it. You've got the individual companies to jump in to buy it. But the funds, man, there's nobody there backstopping them. It's just billions and billions of dollars of little guy money. And little guy money can become scared money very, very fast. So there may be a risk here. And there just may be a uh, just sort of a... I don't know. It's some sort of just secular systemic. risk. It, yeah, our systemic risk. Systemic. It just exists um, with this. And we don't know because this has never been done at this level before in history. Yeah, that's very interesting and a little bit worrying. A little bit worried. So we're uh, we're kind of running out of time, but I and I want to I want to tee up next time, which again is the Dad, 
mystical all we, lemonade all we have stand to, do to talk about other stuff is either intend to talk about Chipotle or intend to talk about valuation of the Oh my gosh. So, but you know what? We've been wanting to talk about robo advisors for so long now that I'm glad we finally did. And I think we should even we should talk more about them because uh, there's a lot to say. Yep. So essentially a robo advisor is giving your money to the feudal lord of the of the manor to put into his black box and he hope he you hope he knows what he's doing because he's more educated than you are. Um, and he would like to keep you uneducated as long as possible. So we're saying, look, there's a revolution in education coming along. It's called reading and you can learn to do it. And um, there's this guy, Gutenberg, invented a printing press and made the tools of reading really cheap. It's called a there's book. There's this guy named Al Gore who invented the Internet. <laughs> that was a joke. Exactly. So get educated and and you can break loose of this sort of feudal serfdom that your your robo advisor is going to doom you to, even if they do work out well in the long run, because you're going to have to always earn consistent money. You can never break away and go explore your life and explore your dharma and look for what you're born to do in this world. And you can't get to it because you don't have the money. You can't get to it because you don't have money for the kids to go to college. Education and investing is an incredibly empowering thing. And we really encourage you guys to do it. And that's why we have the ED in capitals <laughs> in, our, in our title, Invested. And that's it. What do you think? We done? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's something I struggle with all the time. Where do you put your time? Where do you put your time? And what's worth it and what's not? And, uh, and I think we all have that question in our minds when it comes to this kind of stuff. When you can give your money over to other managers, other computers, whatever. And that doesn't take your time up. So the question is like, how much is it worth it to you to be involved in your own money management and in your own invested life? So for okay, me, okay, I think, okay. I think for me, okay. And I hear, I hear everything you just said about how actually robo advisors may not be that great. And maybe they won't actually accomplish the goals of you. And those are all real things to say. And I think they're important, but, um, I think for me, what's making me get interested in doing it myself and making me think that it is worth the time is that it's not just about investing money. I mean, investing money is good. <laughs> That's important, but it's not, maybe important enough on its own for me to actually put the time in to do it. What's interesting to me is learning about, for lack of a better term, learning about the world, like learning about the world I'm in and how does the world work? And what are these like interesting pockets of the world that I know nothing about that I could spend time learning about? What companies are out there that are changing things that I'm interested in? What companies are out there or industries doing things that I maybe want to be involved in and am not like, I don't know. Those are all the questions that I think are really interesting and that make me want to spend time on it and that make me want to take time away from other things in order to spend time on it. And the fact that it hopefully results in enough money to make choices in my life that I want to make is, is very important, but it feels to me a little bit like a byproduct and I think that's what might make me stick with it. The fact that that part of it is a little bit of a byproduct. That's profound. Well, I don't know if it's I profound. I really think that's that's. But I just know right. that I could like 
really make a push for about six months probably and like really learn how to invest my money and and then in six months i'm gonna be like you know what i really just want to go snowboarding today and not work on that yeah because it feels like work and that's fine for a while but you won't stick with it i won't anyway i'm too lazy so it's got to be something i'm really interested in genuinely that i enjoy and and i think for me it's becoming this this really interesting way to learn about what's going on in the world and a way for me to be invested in what's going on in the world. <laughs> and with that, so cool. we will close. So and cool. We promise to talk about valuation and our lemonade stand uh, next time. All right, done. Time to go play. All right, bye everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code stockpile, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, stockpile, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.